Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined by Brandon Piller. Today, lots to discuss. More change at the top of the Senators organization. Jim Little out. Well, Eugene Melnick's going to head his replacement. It'll be the fifth CEO in three years. Yeah, let that sink in. On the ice, not much better. Pittsburgh with a six-game losing streak. They're on home ice, and they took care of the Ottawa Senators last night. But a few notes of that game we'll get into. And the Belleville Senators down to goalie number four on the season. Hogberg in Sweden, Gus in Ottawa, Dak on the shelf until at least Saturday, and the Tankathon. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, March 4th, and we've had this discussion before, but the Ottawa Senators don't have a CEO. What else is new? I mean, it's just a rotating door of CEOs for the Ottawa Senators. It's, I think the perfect way to describe it, verbal meme here, is the uh, Abe Simpson walking into the restaurant, putting his hat down, and then picking it back up and heading right back out. That's basically how CEOs are uh, doing things with the Ottawa Senators. Well, he was hired January 10th, and today, as I mentioned, is March 4th. So quick math there, a week under two months. Wow, seven weeks. And at that point, you have to think of it two ways. And we'll get into both sides of the story here momentarily, but it comes down to either something happened since then or there was a lack of due diligence done before the hire was made. Now, there are some pretty well-respected people, Bruce Anderson, one of them, the political correspondent in Ottawa, um, saying that he's worked with Jim Little for 20 years, 20-plus years, and cannot say anything bad about the character he is. Uh, He said, we've worked on plenty of projects together. He's extremely talented, professional, and a really good person, period. So that's from somebody on the Jim Little side. From the senator's side, they said this had to do more with the league change in policy, um, and what does what does that make you think of, Pillsy? It seems to me like the senators are inferring that there was um, like a Jim Montgomery, and I mean, we still don't know what happened with Jim Montgomery, but something where he had to be removed from duty. Well, who knows? Because uh, the exact quote is, conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators and NHL. And then Bettman was asked about it late, about the dismissal, and he said, it's not what you think. So just a bunch of smoke uh, smoke in the mirrors here. Not really sure what the situation is. It seems since Little got here that fan attendance and the the kind of value and feeling about the Ottawa Senators fan base was getting better since he got here. I thought the $5 beers was a good idea. Melnick maybe didn't like that idea much, uh, losing some money on some alcohol sales. Maybe that was one of the reasons why this relationship didn't last. Even Graham DeLate, the PGA golfer, saying he doesn't know what happened in Ottawa, but he knows Jim Little and has a hard time believing he was the problem. Before January of 2017, it was Cyril Leader, who was a part of what brought the Ottawa Senators um, to Ottawa. And he was promoted to president of Senator Sports and Entertainment all the way back in 2009. And so he had quite the run there, eight years, and even his his firing was questionable at best. He was replaced by Tom Anselmi uh, January 2017 as well. Anselmi leaves 
February of 2018. So he lasted a full year and month. Guess who took over as CEO in February 2018, Pilsy? The big man himself? Was that uh, yes. when Eugene took over? Eugene named himself the CEO until January 2020. So that was Melnick was the CEO during the time where Ottawa was, oh, they were destined to bring in a big name, you know, president of hockey ops. They needed Dorian to have a sounding board, somebody to help with. So that Dorian, I mean, he said it himself on the, the podcast with Craig Kunstis that we listened to. Um, he has to ask other GMs about when to speak up at, at meetings. You'd think there'd be somebody in the organization that could be a sounding board for that. Um, but instead, uh, that's what Dorian stuck doing. So they were going to hire a president of hockey ops. And in 31 thoughts with Elliot Freeman, it felt like every week it was like, oh, they asked this guy. He said no. Francis said no. Uh, Eisman wouldn't even take a meeting. Like they, they couldn't get anyone to even think about working for the senators in that capacity, or at least the guy who was that respected. So that talk just died down. And until January 2020, and this wasn't even a hire on the hockey front. This was a hire on the business side for a team that has the last place attendance. And if you watch a Florida Panthers home game and then you realize that the Sens have the worst attendance in the league, that is beyond sad. So January 2020, Jim Little hired as the CEO and <laughs> brings us to today. After a couple interviews, one with Ian Mendez that I thought he would he did a really good job of bringing excitement of the future and saying that, hey, at the draft, like, it's going to be more than just the picks that excite. That's going to be exciting, and I think a lot of people assume that would be like a whole rebranding of the uniform or bringing back the 2D logo or the heritage logo. There were so many options to make the fan base happy, and he was kind of hitting all the chords. And um, apparently, not enough for the man upstairs. So it's kind of hard for me to ask your opinion because everything isn't known. But where where do the sends go from here? I mean, your reputation precedes you. I really don't know where the Sens go from here. I mean, usually we take a look at the hockey side of things, so this is kind of a whole different story getting into the business uh, politics of it, kind of. So it's hard to say, especially with no information. Like, it's it's all just being kind of pushed under the rug. Gary Gary Bettman saying it's not what you think. Well, what do you think we think it is? You That's know? honestly so, like, Bettman's the king of saying things but not saying anything at all. Yeah. But that one leaves me like, Yo, what do you mean? And <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. There's so many contradicting facts, but I think you're selling us short as a podcast. If you remember back to the making sense of the Sens days, um, we started this in January of 2017. So we got the high of the 2017 playoffs. Oh, yeah. But since then, we basically just we, we may as well be a politics show. We had all the talk about the the arena that started yeah. even before, and then that fell apart during our tenure. We had the Randy Lead thing we had to deal with we got we've had to talk about some really ridiculous uh, the uber video yeah uber gate was a big the one uber that was a big one are you kidding me right now there's been so many like stops on this roller coaster but our seatbelts are strapped on tight right here on the locked on senators podcast at this point there's not much more we can say so we'll move on to the ice where <laughs> i mean Goals for, goals against. I don't even know if it's any better. The Sens lose 7-3 to three to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's start with the good and then get into the bad and the ugly. The good is that Connor Brown got me closer to $100. And Brady Kachuk, this guy is not scared no matter how elite of a team you are. What a goal by Brady Kachuk. I mean, it, like, Did you the... see Zaitsev? Goes, he's like, did you touch that? 
Did Michael? It's like <laughs> yeah. Zaitsey. That was going in the corner if Brady didn't get a stick on it. I was going nowhere near. Yeah, Zaitsa really wanted the cookie on that one. But Brady Kachuk, uh, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. He's really uh, releasing his inner Thomas Holmstrom because that's the kind of play where it's, it's a tough, uh, gritty play in front of the net. But it also takes a hell of a lot of skill and hand-eye coordination as he deflected that shot. Like you said, it looked like it was going wide. And he deflected it as he was falling down and pretty much facing the other way. So Brady Kachuk is going to score hundreds of goals in front of the net like that. And it's just keeping on his pace of having a good season while his supporting cast just kind of withers uh, away without him. I mean... Artem Anisimov, he played an amazing game against Detroit. He only makes it 32 seconds on the ice before he gets injured. That's It's hilarious to say, but there's your top centerman going down in the first shift up against the Pittsburgh Penguins team that's hungry for a win. They were on a six-game losing streak, Ross, their worst streak since 2012. So you knew they were coming up against the Sens, licking their chops, hoping they could get a big win, and boy, did they ever get a big win. Well, in 2012 was the year where Crosby had his concussion issue. So if you think back with Crosby in the lineup, I bet you it's even further back that uh, that they'd lost that many games in a row. But the Senders were no match, and you could tell from the first shift of the game. Yeah, I bet Pittsburgh minus 3.5 and, and cashed on that. Thank you very much for the time, Ottawa Senators. But um, And you mentioned Anisimov out after, what, two shifts? And it was already probably 2 nothing at shift. that point. Well, it was he what one nothing at that point. Seconds. Oh, so it's it still a tie game. That had to be the TSN turning point because John uh-huh. Marino made it one nothing, forty eight seconds in, and then on the next shift, a minute thirty nine in, well, Connor Sherry gets uh, his first goal back with the Penguins. Um, the, well, Mike the Riley send- put that one in though. That was a tough one for Mike Riley. Yeah, Riley. I feel like we've been pumping his tires a little bit in the past, but I, I'm starting to see the more I watch him, he does have this like this offensive. I guess a bit of talent up there. I mean, he's up to 14 assists on the season. It's okay. But, um, but this Ross, I think this is a situation where you're seeing these defensive blunders from a guy like Mike Riley, because he's being used in situations that he really shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like this, this is a guy who should be your sixth or seventh defenseman. And he's out there playing 17 minutes a night, finishing as a dash two with a couple embarrassing plays in his own end. So he's the kind of guy you want kind of on your second power play unit to be a offensive defenseman and playing closer to 15 or even less than that a night, because otherwise stuff like that happens when you're up against contending teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins. And when you're up against Great players like Sidney Crosby, who earned his 800th assist, a part of a three-point night goal and two helpers for Sid, the adult. Um, He's got 29. Sorry, that was before last night. So he's got 31 of those 800 assists against the Ottawa Senators. I didn't even want to get into the playoff numbers because they are... They are way, way, like way over two points a game, at least in a couple of those series. Um, 48 points in 42 games against the Ottawa Senators for Sidney Crosby. He's a, he's a pretty good player. He showed that again last night, didn't he? How about Brian Rust? Pretty decent player there, getting the hattie. And the Senators, I was trying to think about it. It seems like they've given up a lot of hat tricks this season. I mean, guys are really piling on the points and uh, adding a couple dollars to their contracts next season after games with the Sens. And Brian Russ, that's a perfect example. So, yeah, stick taps to Sidney Crosby. 800 assists is pretty incredible. But 
that's just a classic tough game for the Sens. You got you get Colin White back from injury, which helps, but still no Declare. So that's just a weak lineup uh, going up against a team that uh, added at the trade deadline instead of uh, subtracted like the Senators did. Senators were outshot 35-26. You have here written Pillsy. They outhit the Penguins uh, by by more than double. Well, I can break that down for you very, very deeply. The Ottawa Senators didn't touch the puck very much last night, so they were chasing around and and doing their thing. I was a little worried that we were going to see almost a full game of Philip Gustafson because those two early goals uh, that I mentioned, Andy, I mean... I don't know. Like we we can talk circles about Andy, but um, it would have kind of been cool in the sense that uh, that Philip Gustin was of course drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. So from that from that standpoint, being able to make his debut against that team would be kind of neat. How long would the Sens have to go without Hogberg here or Nielsen for that matter for you to think that Gustafson will get a sniff? Well, we were talking about it off air, and I think Andy's going to get uh, every kind of single game start while Hogberg is gone. So we're looking at uh, the island. Speaking of which, next two games are tank, uh, very tank important going up against the Islanders. And then on Saturday, all the way off in San Jose against the Sharks. So I, if anything, I don't think Gustafson will play till the back-to-back against the Ducks and the Kings. But that's if Hogberg isn't back yet. Uh, I'm still not sure what the situation is with him back home with his family in Sweden. So he could be back tomorrow or he could be be back in a week we're not really sure so my guess is yeah he'll start either the first game of that back-to-back against the Ducks or the second game up against the Kings but I'm glad that they kept Andy in there even though he's getting shelled because it would have been cool Gustafson to uh, play against the team that drafted him but I don't think you want your first NHL ice time being in a kind of a backup role we're coming in mid-game on the road so I think it'll be better for Gustafson to kind of know when he's starting, get prepared, and uh, have his first NHL debut kind of in a more traditional sense. Well, NHL debut for Gustafson on hold. AHL debut for Alex Dubow expected Wednesday night. And it's against the Toronto Marlies because Joey Decord left the game on Friday or got hurt near the end of the game, I think. And it didn't really seem like anyone noticed that there was an injury, but Trent, man or Troy Mann, rather. Trent Mann, of course, being the, the scout for the Sens, or head of scouting. Um, Troy Mann saying on 1200 yesterday, not only will Dak miss tonight's game and Friday, but Eric Branstrom's going to be out four to six weeks. We'll start with the goaltending situation, and we joked uh, again off air that there, there was so much depth at the goaltending position, but it's quick how that can disintegrate. It's ridiculous how quick that happened. I feel like a week ago, uh, me, you, and Parley were talking, what are the Sens going to do once Nielsen gets back? And then you've got Hogberg, Anderson, and Nielsen in the NHL. But now we're looking at Hogberg gone for personal reasons. Nielsen still injured with that concussion, which is really scary, seeing as he hasn't played in a long time. It's been three months. Yeah. So when a, especially a goalie concussion, that's obviously lingering longer than he, he would hope. And uh, they're taking a very serious look at it and not going to let him play until he's 110%, which is the right call, of course. And then now Joey Decord is injured. So that bumps uh, Gustafson back up. I was, uh, I was surprised that Decord was injured. Like you said, it didn't really seem like it, it was anything that serious. But Alex DeBow, he's going to get his chance to shine here and... He played with the Brampton Beast. Uh, he's got 40 games, 3.23 goals against average, 0.898 save percentage. 
which those numbers don't really uh, pop out at you, but he's won uh, 21 of those games with the Brampton Beasts, so at least he's keeping competitive and staying in games. But I think it might be a tough uh, AHL debut with him, especially with, like you mentioned, Branstrom out of lineup, and then Logan Brown still hurts. So this Belleville team's not as strong as they'd like to be, but Josh Norris coming back is one hell of a boost. So if I could uh, give any gambling advice tonight on this game, I'm not so confident Belleville's going to get the puck line here, but I would hammer that over because we're looking at a goalie's AHL debut and the Marlies and Belleville, they always put up big, big goals. So we could see a 12-15 goal game here and uh, the over is at six and a half. So I'd hop on that for sure, Ross. Nothing on the first period money line. You made you made all our listeners some serious cash last week with that first period money line. 3.9 seconds left and it cashed. Yeah, I was going to say I was pretty nervous uh, with my first kind of uh, official tweeted out uh, guarantee that it wasn't going to happen, but better late than never. Uh, Levate helped me out there. Or more like, uh, I don't know, the defenseman, but it was number 20 for Laval making an absolute bonehead play and uh, leaving it open. Yeah, so, so hey, my first guarantee was a lock. The over, this is, I'm declaring it another lock. Let's go over six and a half. Belleville, Toronto Marlies locking in. Well, Pillsy's going to win with that. And if you want to win with marketing to your business followers, well, then I'm sure you've heard about all the great other advertisers that are working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that the Locked On Senators podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ottawa Senators fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. You don't care about any podcast listener. You want a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ottawa Senators fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm looking forward to seeing Alex Dubow in action tonight. I still lean towards the Belleville Senators. They've had, I think, the better of of the Marlies, and the Marlies seem to be a pretty well um, no, up and down uh, team. Ross, uh, the Marlies actually have the edge. Five no wins way. for the Marlies versus four wins uh, for Belleville. Remember a couple weekends ago, uh, the Marlies oh, uh, they come back games that weekend that was a real hard one for uh, for my wallet. I can tell you that, but it's closer than you think. Uh, but I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of goals scored in this game. should be a lot of fun. It sure will. Of course, the uh, the Marlies are missing a key player than Rasmus Sandy, who's been up for uh, for Toronto for the last little while. Similar situation to when Branstrom was up earlier this year. What else we got? Is it time for some scattered sends where we take a look around at um, the many Senators that are in playoff contention or scattered around the NHL. I think we should start with one of my favorite goalies in Sens history because Robin Leonard, this guy's bounced around more than, oh, yeah. than I think is fair for him. Had the, the Sabres to the Islanders to the Blackhawks and now to Vegas. 
and it's paying immediate dividends for them. Absolutely. I mean, this was kind of the trade that uh, came out of nowhere, eh? It seemed at the deadline, no one really was expecting Robin Leonard to get moved from Chicago, especially they were kind of still in the hunt at the time, but then they decided to be sellers uh, trading him and Gustafson, their defenseman, away. So that kind of shored up their position. But I've always loved Robin Leonard. I mean, I really wish they actually kept him. A lot of the a lot of the fans are happy to have Colin White, but Robin Leonard, I thought, was going to be a great goalie, and he's proving it, having a stellar season with the Islanders last season. And now Vegas, with Marc-Andre Fleury getting older and kind of starting to be a little shakier, that's going to really uh, shore up that goaltending duo, especially I wasn't a big fan of Malkin Subban as a backup, so I think they've got a much better option here. And Ross, how about that sick setup by Robin Leonard? Just, oh, my God. Uh, it's hard to imagine Vegas's colors as being like, really nice and flashy when they first entered the league. But I think that color scheme works. And I love what he's done with uh, those Brian pads. Yeah. If anybody can make a stylish out of what, what would you even call that? It's not even quite black. It's like a matte style black, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Not a color guy. Yeah. We, we won't get into shades here. So uh, that's definitely not our, our forte, but, but they look solid. So good. Yeah, you got to love when a goalie gets a shutout and does it in style, too. So shout out to Robin Leonard. Yeah, shout out to Robin Leonard and shout out to sleeper agent Jean-Gabriel Pajot. The former senator will make his return to Ottawa rather quickly. This wasn't a hallway trade like the Sens have been known for in the past. But unlike Duchesne and and um, McKenna as well, uh, this only took a week. And DeMello. And DeMello, there you go. Yeah, he, he just stayed in Ottawa. He missed the well, game. He's like, I'll just hang out here. Yeah, and another weird one. This isn't, I don't know if you could officially call it a hallway trade because it was a weird circumstances, but remember Duchesne? His first two games were in Sweden against the Avalanche. So location-wise, not a hallway trade, but playing your first team uh, in your first first game with a new team is uh, still a little weird in a new continent, no, nonetheless. So that That's was strange. So funny. So yeah, Pajol will be here on Thursday, but it doesn't take uh, too much reminding to remember how solid he always was when it was Sens and Habs. But Pilsy, it seems like that magic didn't br- go with him on Long Island. Definitely a tough night for Pajot. And the Islanders haven't won a single game since they acquired Pajot at the deadline. So if you're the Senators, you're feeling uh, pretty good about that pick sliding higher and higher up the percentages on the lottery. But, Ross, here's a question, and I think I already know your answer. But do you prefer the Islanders to lose games and that first-round pick gets better odds or they make the playoffs and have a chance to win the Cup to get that third-round pick? No, they're not going to win the Cup even <laughs> if they make the playoffs. Are you kidding me? I'm on full board Isles tank, and we have included the Islanders on our Tankathon that we post every day on our Twitter at Send Central. So you can check us out there and let us know what you think. If you have any thoughts on the episode, let us know. Tweet at us there. We'll be sure to get back to you. And thanks for listening. You made it this far, just in time for the Tankathon, where we do one spin of the Tankathon wheel. We've written down the results all the way since January 7th. I know people are getting on the bandwagon now, and it's not like we're going to call them copiers there's a lot of excitement around the draft for ottawa senators fans but yeah we've been uh, we've been making sure to keep track of this and the results aren't always so pretty right now the sixth spot is the most likely the sends will draft five and seven are the only other ones that have multiple double digits 
So let's try to fix that now. Pilsy, give her a twirl. And it is fixed immediately, Ross, with the first overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft. The Ottawa Senators will select first. Second, the Habs. Hopefully they can find someone with sick vision and who can uh, make plays up the sideboards. And at the number three spot, the Ottawa Senators with the San Jose draft. I think this is the best spin we've ever had. I think so, too. And you know what? Like... As much as I hate the Habs, if the Sens draft first and third, we're going to Montreal. Well, we will be there. And it would be kind of cool to have the hometown Definitely. team draft in between them and kind of get our, our sloppy seconds in a way. Whoever we don't want first, they can they can grab up second, and then we'll just be like, all right, well, let's start the draft now. Because I think one and two have kind of separated themselves. So um, we don't need to be greedy and have both. They can have no. whichever one we don't want. As long as we get the first overall pick. No, I don't want them having no. first and we get second and Ew. third. That's not what, that's not happening. Disgusting. Anyways, that's a very good spin. So first and third. Uh, back from, to follow. From Pilsy. I got to get onto the website here as I'm way behind in life and we'll give it a nice little spin and I feel like this this is actually better than than usual, but I feel like we get three and six all the time. Today, I got two and six. Ooh, yeah, with uh, with the, with Arizona jumping up for third, and in that case, they would keep their pick. It's top three protected. So, of course, New Jersey has that that first rounder for Arizona, but it would move to next year if that's the case. So. Pilsy got first and third. I got second and sixth. I'd say that's a pretty successful day at the wheel. We'll have plenty more of those before the draft lottery, which will happen just after the regular season ends. It's going to be an exciting day for Ottawa Senators fans. And, well, it'll be exciting for Jean-Gabriel Pajot to get his due coming back to Ottawa. Plenty to choose from for his tribute video. What would your lead be, Pilsy? Would it be the four-goal game in round two, or would it be how he burst onto the scene with the hat-trick against the Habs in the 2013 playoffs? Which, by the way, that's the single best game in Sens history, if you include the line brawl in there as well. The hat-trick, Alfie getting on the board. like You just love to see that whole whole sequence of, of uh, action. So that's where I'd lean, but I, I understand a four-goal game in the second round of the playoffs, that's pretty good too. Yeah, I'd, it's got to be the chicken parm game for me. I mean, that is just classic. Like, to, just when he was asked how he managed to score four goals, I uh, had two chicken parm before the game. <laughs> like, yeah, that's good. Well, if, if you go back to 2013, one of the goals, Subban stick came up, and he lost a tooth on a goal. So, I mean, I don't think he would have been eating any chicken parms after that game. It would be the smoothie diet, but... Yeah, stick taps to Pajot. We'll talk about him in our next episode on Friday, recapping that and getting you set for the weekend. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.